Amen. You know that it's more than just about hearing the word of the Lord. Amen. It's about doing it. It's about doing it. So today we're going to continue in our Believe series. For those of you that have been with us, we kind of took a little quick break and, and, and talked about my best and giving with great joy. And we believe that we can bring our best financially into the house of the Lord and, and give it with great joy. But today we're going to jump back into to our Believe series. We've got five weeks. Now here's the deal. We're going to shift it into overdrive. You guys look like a gifted and talented group. And so I'm going to hit you hard, hard, say hard, hard, hard for the next five weeks. And we're going to deal with some things that I believe are so important in helping us become more like Jesus. And I really believe what I prayed earlier. It's not about us just gathering and singing the words to the song and praying the prayers and, and studying the word of God. That is great. And that is awesome. And we need to do that. But here's the deal. This is all null, null and void unless we live this out as we leave this place. Are you with me? That's one of the things I love about 1910 Church. We're about finding and restoring. We're not, we, we didn't choose as our purpose about, about gathering and you know, sitting and soaking. We thought about sitting and soaking as our purpose statement, but we couldn't find anywhere in Scripture that says just gather, sit, and soak. No, we found the verse that says we're to go out and we're to go find people. That means that we're kind of on a scavenger hunt. Who likes a scavenger hunt? We're going to find people that are far from God, and as Pastor Todd reminded us in our announcement video, man, we're going to bring them back into a relationship that he desires to have with them. Amen? Do you believe that the relationship with Jesus is awesome? That other people should have the same relationship? Absolutely. So that's what we're about here at 1910. So we're going to be talking about over these next five weeks some things that, that should be a part of who we are. So, so just as a refresher course, and it's been a great journey. We've been, gosh, 20 weeks into this. It's been an incredible time together partnering with other churches from around this area. We, we talked the first 10 weeks about what we believe, and we believe that there are some important doctrines of our faith that, that distinguish us from, from other philosophies or worldviews or world religions that are out there uh, in, in our world today. This, this week, I had the privilege of sitting down with one of our college students who's taking a world religion study, and, and they had to do an interview, and, and they're interviewing um, leaders from different faiths, and, and, and so I had the opportunity to represent Christianity. I hope they got a good grade on that paper, um, but, but I had an opportunity to talk about my faith, and, and I was able to share some things that we believe. It's important to know what we believe, amen? If you don't know what you believe in your faith, believe me, there will be other people or things that will try to tell you what's right and what to believe, right? So we talked 10 weeks about what we believe. It's great. We also talked about 10 weeks of sermons on what we practice. For instance, if I believe that God is the one true God and that there is no one like him, well, then he is the only one that the practice then is of, of my worship, right? He's the one that I'm going to worship and, and give everything I have to. I'm going to lift my hands to him. I'm not going to lift my hands to the God of culture, but I'm going to lift it to him. But we talked about the things that we do to practice our faith. Today, we're going to finish and start these next five weeks with who we are becoming. Who are we becoming? And there's a main passage of scripture we're going to deal with over the next five weeks. It's found in the book of Galatians. Say Galatians. Galatians chapter five, verses 22 through 23. It says this. 
But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Who produces it? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The fruit of the Spirit is going to kind of serve as our guide for the next five weeks. Because if there's anything that we should be coming as the believers in Christ, these, this is the fruit that should be present in our lives. I, I was looking in various translations. And, and, and when I study, and I, and I know that many of you guys have, uh, have a translation of the Bible. Can I, can I just tell a really quick, can I tell a quick story? Story time? Can I tell a story? This is awesome. Th- this kind of has something to do with, with where we're going today. But, but we had a, a gentleman that, that, that brought someone um, a few months back to our church. Uh, he was kind of entertaining someone's mother. They were out of town. So we have a gentleman in our church that was just kind of entertaining someone who had flown in from out of town. And, and uh, she's raised in Catholic church and very devout Catholic. And, and so he just on a limb just said, hey, would you like to go to church with me? Your family's gone and you're here. And you know, would you? And she said, sure. So she came to church with us. And uh, now her family go to another dynamic church in the San Antonio area. But, but she came with us. And, and this is a cool story. I, I, I preach from the New Living Translation, the NLT. And I know that there are so many great translations on the market today. But, but, but the, the, the word came to life to this lady that day. She, 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 she called her, her son and, and daughter-in-law and said, hey, I... I understood the words that he was saying. I understood the words on, on the screen. And, and I'm telling you, we, we kind of take things like this for granted. The word became alive in her. And, and I don't know, it was just the Bible became something real and understandable to her that day. I love that. And she said, hey, where can I go get one of those NLT things? I love that. And so they ran down, bought a Bible, put her name on it, and presented it to her. And, and the next time they saw her, she was like, can, I just thought, can you look at this? Look, I know what this says. And look, even down below, they even have some notes that tell us what it says up above. I love that, that the word is becoming alive to people. The New Living Translation. I look at so many translations. I speak from that primarily. I love especially from the Message Translation how it reads because sometimes it's kind of in your face, kind of just, Dre, it just shoots, it's direct. It's straight to the point. And when you get to the part in the, in the, in the Message Translation when it talks about the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives, instead of love, it, it refers to, this, to love this way, affection for others. Now, will we not agree that that is something as believers in Jesus Christ, we should have an affection for others. We should love people. But I especially love when they, when instead of joy, here's what the message translation says, exuberance about life. I like that. I like that. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask. Slow down. Let me ask you a question, Christian. That's hard to say. Let me ask you a question, Christian. Do you have an exuberance for life? You see, here, here's the deal. I, I think for, for, for an unbelieving world, that they look at us as, as Christians or believers, and they don't see an exuberance for life in us. And like, why in the world would I want that? You know, some of us this morning need to tell our face to wake up and show off what we truly believe. Amen? 
We're, 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 we're walking around just kind of dull and lifeless. I love that, an exuberance for life. Today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about love and joy today. We're going to talk about having an affection for others, and we're going to talk about this exuberance for life. You see, the reason we're doing that, our goal is to become like Jesus. Jesus said that, in fact, becoming like him, I love how he referred to it in, in, in John chapter 15. It's kind of like growing a crop. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 15, beginning of verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Who's the gardener? God is. Who's the grapevine? Jesus is. The gardener cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you what, church? Remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the what? Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much what? Fruit, or as I say in Indonesia, fruit. Fruit. I in them, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Now listen, I'm an ex-athlete and I've had one too many blows to the head, but I even understand what Jesus is saying here. As long as we stay connected to the vine, we will bear much fruit. Are you with me? But if we become separated from the vine, we produce what? Nothing. Not a little. Nothing. Not some. Zero. If we stay connected to the vine, not not only are our lives better, not only are our lives enriched, but here's what I also believe. The world around us will see in us something that will make our gardener attractive to them. If we produce, or if we, if we stay connected and the Holy Spirit produces the fruit that we read about in Galatians chapter 5, in our lives, I'm telling you, and I, I just really believe that an unbelieving world will find this thing called the Christ life very, very appealing and, and, and attractive. I really believe that. So we've been talking about loving God and knowing who he is from a vertical dimension. But as we shift gears and talk about becoming and living out the life of Jesus, we're going to begin to look horizontally. And as Jesus talks about who we are supposed to be and how we are to to look at others and live around others horizontally, our neighbors, he, he... things are going to begin to change a little bit. There, there's an action. There is a desire that God has for every one of us in this room that know him as Lord and Savior. We are to look different. We are to put on display this fruit that Galatians 5 speaks of. Who produces the fruit in us? The Holy Spirit. You can't do this without him. You can't. This is not about you coming more. Listen, the Holy Spirit's going to have to do this in us, right? Look at what Jesus says in John 15, 12. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Has anybody been the recipient of the love of Jesus Christ? Anybody? And aren't you just thankful for that? 
We have, many of us. Let me ask you a question. For those of you that just raised your hand, is it sometimes difficult for you to love people the way Jesus loves people? Come on. Yeah, it's hard. That's why I need to let the Holy Spirit do this in me because I'm a man. And, and, and if I'm not careful, that flesh can rear its ugly head in me and suppress the spirit man in me. Are you with me? Dudes Weekend, remember we talked about that. The spirit man, remember that? We talked, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit of God to work within us. So here's the question I have for you today as we talk about this thing of love. What does it mean to sacrificially and unconditionally love others? Because that's the way that Jesus has loved us. Aren't you thankful for that? So how then can we put this on display for our neighbors to behold? When I think about God's love, there, there are, there's so many characteristics. But I'm going to share with you three this morning that I believe are main characteristics of God's love. That should shape who we are becoming as followers of Jesus Christ. First of all, it is unconditional. You know that the love that God has for us is unconditional, right? One of the very first things that, 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 that I remember learning when I was growing up through the church, um, first of all, that I like graham crackers and goldfish. I don't think they had goldfish. We were graham crackered and donuts, donuts, donuts. Just sugar the kids up, you know? Um, one of the first things, I learned this, God is love. That, that, that is one of the most basic things about our faith, that God is love. In fact, as I was sitting with this young man writing this paper this week, and he was asking me about my faith, that was one of the things that I could speak to with confidence. One of the things that I believe distinguishes my faith from some of the other faiths that are, that are present in our culture today. My God loves me. He's not out to punish me or to condemn me. His goal is not just to send me to a different level in eternity. Oh, no. My God wants me to hang with him in his house. Are you with me? Not some other level, you know, but, 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 but God loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know. God loves. And the thing about his love is that you need to understand this today. It's unconditional. Meaning that there are no strings attached to God's love. He just loves us. No, 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 no strings attached. And that's hard for some of us because we're human. And we, we equate love a lot of times with, well, it's dependent on what that person does for me. Or it's, it's what they give me. Or, or someone says, I love you. And, and we can't just handle it there. We want to know why. Why do you love me. You see, that's what separates the love of God from us. And for someone in this room today, you might be having a hard time wrapping your mind around this God who loves, but I'm just telling you, it's unconditional. You, you, you can't do anything to make him love you any more than he already does. And you need to know God, God doesn't love us more because we come to church. God doesn't love us more because we, we give to the church. Listen, God doesn't love you any more or any less because we help people in need. Those things are important, absolutely. But God loves us before we ever do any of those things, doesn't he? And he will love me despite if I do those things or not. 
But I'm just going to tell you, because I love him too, I love to do those things. But you need to know, you can't make God love you any more or any less. Now, we know that when we read through Scripture that, 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 that God, he, he, he hates something called sin. And that's a really short word, but it's so confusing to so many people. Sin is simply anything that we do, anything that's present, that it, it goes against God's perfect plan or desire. And so when you live your life doing things that go against God's perfect plan for your life or desire, that would be something that the Bible calls sin. It hurts his heart because that's not his perfect desire for you. You need to know that God hates sin, but he loves sinners. That's a little weird, right? God hates sin, but he loves sinners. In fact, if there's anything that we all have in common in this room today, it's this thing called sin, right? We all have a sin problem, don't we? Some of you got a really big sin problem, right? Point those people out. Anybody know somebody that's, yeah, don't, yeah, her sisters, right? Sisters, yeah. We all have, scripture says, for all have sin and fallen short. We all have that in common, but aren't we thankful for God's grace and mercy? Aren't you thankful for his love for us that despite my sinfulness and me saying, hey, God, I'm going to do this. I got this. Despite those times in my life, God hated when I did that, but he never hated me. He loved me. It's unconditional. God's love is also sacrificial. It's sacrificial. Not only is it unconditional, no strings attached, but you need to know that this love that he demonstrates is, is sacrificial. Sacrificial. The Apostle Paul describes Jesus' sacrifice with these words in Philippians 2, verse 6. He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. You see, God's love is sacrificial. You see, Jesus sacrificed the throne room of heaven for a manger in Bethlehem. He sacrificed his divine power for a blue-collar job. He sacrificed his life for us. There's another instance in Scripture, another verse that says that there's no greater love than this, that a friend laid down his life, or that a man laid down his life for his friend. But here's the deal about that verse that, that gets me. Long before I ever was considered a friend of God, he still loved me. I, I, I saw the movie Risen this week, and I don't know if you've seen that yet. I would encourage you to go, go, go see that. Uh, and, and, and just the, the reminder as, as I watch this that uh, of, of those people gathered that day and those that were responsible and those who, who God and Jesus had every right not to love, we still see being portrayed there sacrificial love. That despite me and my wayward living, despite me being a prodigal of Jesus still loves those of you that are maybe in a relationship of some sort, maybe marriage or dating or whatever, 
Isn't the relationship better that when the other person kind of gets over themselves and begins to serve and maybe even make sacrifices on your part? Except Hallmark movies. I just don't get that. That's, that's a little too much. That is, I don't know if that's, that's torture. But somebody that gets past themselves and they just give themselves on behalf of the other person. Listen, if you want a happy marriage, if you want a happy relationship, hey, if you're single and looking for someone, listen, marriage counseling one-on-one, you want somebody that's willing to, to love you sacrificially, willing to lay aside them for you. And guys, that's exactly what our Savior has done for us. Not only is God's love for us unconditional, not only is it is it sacrificial, but it's also forgiving. It's also forgiving. Why did Jesus leave heaven to come to a manger? Why did he give up his divinity to assume a blue-collar position? Well, he did all this to forgive us. He, he did all this to restore us to his family. And you need to know that God promises to forgive us when we confess our sins to him. You see, Jesus paid the price in full for your sins and for mine. He paid the price for the sins of all people. So yes, although we have that problem in common today, that we all have sinned, uh, scripture says that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. That is an incredible, incredible love. Amen? You know, there was, a, uh, there was a prophet in the Old Testament whose life became a living model of God's love in action. The Old Testament prophet Hosea married a woman by the name of, of Gomer. You heard it right. Her, her name was Gomer. And I know that that may not be a popular name today as you're choosing a name for your, young, your little girl. But, but her name was Gomer. They, they eventually had three children. Um, we know that Gomer's life prior to marriage was one of, of not a great reputation, um, prostitution. And we even know that even after they were married, that she even became an adulteress and unfaithful again to Hosea, right? But Hosea continued to love her even though she certainly didn't deserve his love. And we know that in Hosea chapter 3, I believe that when, when Gomer was about to be be sold as a slave, Hosea made a great sacrifice to buy her back. And just imagine her with probably her head down that day and, and wanting to know who the next man or owner of her might be. <clears throat> when through the few shekels of silver, her husband Hosea was the one who bought her back. Imagine when she raised her head to look and to see him. He paid the price to set Gomer free. He forgave her so that the family could be restored. To me, that is the ultimate example of a person learning how to love unconditionally, how to love sacrificially while still offering forgiveness. So why am I speaking to this? We know that that's how God loves us. But what difference does this make in the way I live? That's the question. We love hearing the way that God has shown his love for us. Well, if we've been the recipients of God's great love, then what should we do about it? How should we live this out? Well, because Jesus' love is in our hearts, that should enable us to love those that we could never love before. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew records the words of Jesus. Jesus said this, You've heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. What? Come on. Who can do that? You can't. But who can? The Holy Spirit at work in you can. Pray for those who persecute you. Come on, Jesus. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Hey, listen, you know what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is telling us that hatred is no longer an option for his followers. Regardless of how we are treated, the only choice for those of us who are true followers of Jesus Christ, the only choice we have is is to love. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. That's why I'm saying that that Galatians 5, it says, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit in us because I'm not good enough to love those people and pray for my enemies. Are you kidding me? But that's the only choice we have is to love. If I truly follow Jesus, Jesus' love in our hearts also enable us to love the unlovable. You know, if we, if we probably were to be honest, and it's, it's probably easy. You, you probably have a ranking system of, of who it's easier for you to show love to in your life, isn't it? D- definitely your family, right? D- your close friends or and then if people are nice to you, ooh, that, that, that kind of, they're a little bit easier. People give you presents. Man, they're way up there. Have me over for pie. Oh, yeah. They're, they're way, don't we have, we, who are the lovable? And we have unlovable people. Jesus spoke to that. You know that? Because it was probably a problem in his day and age as well. It's not just something we created in, in 2016. This, is, this was probably something that was happening in Jesus' day. In, in Matthew 25, 34, he says, The king is going to say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom that is prepared for you from the creation of the world. You guys come. Why? Well, here's why. Because I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Our world today has little time to spare for for people that Jesus just described here. For homeless people, poor people, hungry people, orphaned, diseased, elderly in prison. But Jesus is clearly stating here in Matthew 25, I'm not just making this up because I think it's something that we ought to do. No, it's something that our Savior has asked us to do and commanded us to do. He's clearly stating that his followers will be about his business in some of the various lowest, various, the very lowest places in our culture. Why? To show love to the unloved. I'm reminded of an image in, in, the, picture, in, in, in the movie, Risen, where, where this was being played out. There was a situation where someone was not being loved and, and, and being ridiculed and, and forced out and just pushed away. And here it is, that person in their culture, that's, that was the norm. But you know something about Jesus. He was abnormal, wasn't he? He was so weird in the culture's mindset. Jesus runs to that individual. 
And instead of participating in the antics and shooing out and rushing out and ridiculing, we find the image of our Savior loving the unloved. Is that easy for you? It's hard sometimes, isn't it? But Jesus says that the people will know that we are his followers by our love. And the kind of love that is unconditional, it's sacrificial, it's forgiving. I need to move on past that one because that one's hard. Let's talk about exuberance for life. Joy. Joy is that second mark of Christian faith. It's that second fruit or product of God's spirit living in us. Christians should be joyful. Are we? Are we? Do we show it? And we need to remember something. There's a difference between joy and happiness because we oftentimes confuse the two, don't we? They're not the same. Happiness comes and goes. It's dependent upon circumstances. Happiness doesn't help us through, through the tough times of life. You, you might be able to find those moments in which you're happy, but when the tough stretch comes, what happens oftentimes is happiness doesn't last in those difficult times, right? Joy, however, is a totally different thing. True and lasting joy is a gift from God. Galatians 5, who produces joy? The Holy Spirit, joy is a gift from God. You see, joy comes when we are aware of God's grace, when we are aware of his favor, when we know the difference that God's love and his forgiveness can make in our lives. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is a state of mind. Joy is a mindset. Ooh, did you hear that? That's good. Happiness is a state of mind, but joy is mindset. And we can be joyful regardless of our circumstances. Your happiness will come and go. But the joy that we have from the Lord is constant. We like to say around here that happiness is based on happenings. Joy is based on Jesus. You can remember that. Happiness, happenings. Come on. You got that? Happiness, happenings. Joy, Jesus. Happiness, happenings. Joy is based on Jesus. Jesus wants us to be filled with joy. You need to hear that. I thought he was out to get me and make me miserable and call me to a life of of sacrificing and giving up stuff and boring and no fun. I got to get rid of all my friends. I I can't do these things. I I can't watch anything but HGTV and Fixer Upper. It's all the same. Come on. They're going to take a crappy house and fix it up. And they're going to spend way too much money. And those people don't get to live with that stuff. Do they get to keep all that stuff? No. That's not reality. Just kidding. It may be. I don't know. Anyway. But Jesus wants us to be joyful. He came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He wants us to be, he's not out to make you miserable. In fact, I'm reminded of one of the final times that Jesus had with his disciples. They were eating the last supper. Now keep in mind, the last supper is taking place right before Jesus is about to be arrested. The events of the cross are about to unfold. Jesus is eating this last supper with his disciple. And in John 15, verses 9 through 11, listen to what he said to them. He says, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. Now listen to what he says. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. With what? Joy. Yes, your what's going to overflow? Joy will overflow. 
when I read this passage, there, there, there are three things that Jesus says in these words here that I believe lead us to having the same kind of joy he has. Keep in mind, he's not telling them this because he's about to go on a carnival cruise or go into Disney World or whatever. He's about to go to the cross. And he's talking about joy. Listen, I believe that you can have joy despite your circumstances just as Jesus did. First of all, I think you need to believe and trust in God's love for us. I'm going to start I'm going to I'm going to go back to where we started with love. You've got to believe and trust in God's love for us. You see, joy comes from knowing that God loves us regardless of the circumstances in our lives. And oh, by the way, you know there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. You see, for those of you in this room today that have never tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you've never drank from, from his forgiveness and the life that he offers you. See, that's what separates so many of us because truth be known, there are people in this room that are without Jesus today that are having a crappy time of life right now. And there are people in this room today that have Jesus in their life and they're having a crappy time of life right now too. But you know what distinguishes us is that those of us in Christ know that this soon will fade and pass. That I'm not facing this struggle or trial or difficulty on my own. That I know that my God wins. I know that he's still with me in the muck and mire of this nastiness of my life right now. And there's still a joy that's unexplainable. As our kids are probably singing joy that won't go away. Just enough strength to live for today. That's joy that Jesus gives. And there's nothing, you know why? There's nothing that can ever separate me from God's love. I have joy. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And it's down in my heart (laughs) to stay. It's there. The second thing to remember is to remain in God's love. Not only do we need to believe and trust in God's love for us, we need to remain in God's love. That means staying connected to God. That means walking with him every day of our lives. Remember, who, who, as long as that branch is connected to the vine, it will produce much fruit. But Jesus said, apart from the vine, you can do what? Nothing. See, that's why so many of us are missing joy Monday through Saturday. It's easy. Listen, this is an easy place to come and kind of get excited and fired up and ready to charge hell with a water pistol. But what's going to happen Tuesday? What's going to happen Tuesday? For those of you that are still connected and, and remaining in God's love, you're still fired up and ready to charge the gates of hell, water pistols. But you are. But for so many people, what, what happens is, is we forget Jesus once we leave this room. You know that Jesus wants to go to work with you tomorrow. On Monday, on Monday of all that, yeah, Absolutely. Yes, he's there. He's there Tuesday. And if you will remain in God's love, I'm telling you, that's going to be a way for you to be connected to the joy that Jesus gives. But our joy begins to fade when our connection grows weak. It fades because we disconnect from the one who brings joy. The third key, real quickly, is having the joy of the Lord is to to keep his commands keep God's commands. Listen, one of the things that, that I was able to share with this young man writing the paper, because he asked me about the Bible, he said, hey, he said, what about the, 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 the Ten Commandments? Are you telling me that, that you still believe that they're valid and you still try to live your life the way? I said, absolutely, bro. I'm not, I, I don't think I should go murder someone. He looked at me. 
yeah, I, I still think that it's probably pretty good for me not to go out and steal something. It's hard sometimes, but I still try to honor my father and my mother, even when they're still up, all up in my business as a 45-year-old grown man. I'm still trying to show honor. So absolutely I do believe that, the, old, that the, the, the rules of God and the laws of God are still valid for my life today. But here's what I begin to explain. But you know what? The, the, the Bible is not about rules and regulations that hinder or limit my freedom. It actually gives me life. Because I, I, I know, because see, Jesus begins to describe what, what life is and, and what he came to give. And, and I kind of know what, what the boundaries are and, and kind of those things that are life-giving. But he also tells me those things that are going to suck life out of me. And so I kind of like it. I do believe that God's commands are still valid. And for those of you that are here today, I just want to go on record with this. I still believe that the word of God is still valid for us today. We are a Bible-believing church here at 1910 we are and I believe that everything he said is still useful for us and I believe that when I live according to God's word oh man I can have joy that won't go away so many of us are happy because we're not living according to God's commands and maybe you're here today and you're even trying to hide something from God because you know that that it's what he would probably call sin in the Bible so many of us today are living in fear that we might get caught. Listen, you don't have to hide anything from the Lord. <laughs> you know, I hate to burst your bubble, but he already knows what you're doing. He does. But he's not there to beat you up with it. He simply wants you to confess that. And he wants you to, to, to just lay that on the altar. And, and he wants to give you the power and the strength and the guidance to keep you from going back to that. But so many of us are like what the Bible says. We're like that dog returning to the vomit. That's disgusting. But some of you are vomit eaters today. Tweet that. You are a dog that eats vomit. But aren't we really? We know because God's commands lay it out what we shouldn't be doing, but yet we find ourselves being attracted to that stench. Listen, just confess it, lay it on the line. I've already told you he loves you. And I'm telling you, there's joy that he wants to give you today. And it's joy that's not based on your happenings. It's based on Jesus. I love Jesus. And he loves me. I'm not perfect. He knows it. That's why I think he gives me extra dose of grace and mercy oftentimes. Anybody else thankful for the love and grace of Jesus Christ today? Amen. Amen. Hey, today I know that you guys are ready to go and, 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 and get home, but before you leave, I just really believe that there's someone here today that, 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 that heard about God's love in a way that maybe you've never heard about it before. And, and, and for whatever reason, you've made up a reason excuse after excuse as to why you've rejected receiving the love that my Savior offers you, this unconditional, sacrificial, and forgiving love. And I just want to give you an opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. I'm telling you, there's a, you, you, you think your life is good and put together and full and abundant and, and off the chart. It's not all it can be unless Jesus is a part of it. And so today, here's what we're going to do. I want to ask you just to stand. Everybody stand. 
I want to ask you to put your right foot in and your left foot. No, don't. that's hokey pokey. We're not playing hokey pokey. But here's the deal. I want to ask our prayer ministry team to come down to the front today. And, and I am going to pray and send us out of this room. And as people are leaving, if you're here today, say, you know what? I, I want to say yes to Jesus today. By the way, did you notice that we have 42 light bulbs out in the, the atrium that are all lit up now? That, that means that there have been 42 people that have said yes to Jesus Christ. They, they've given their life to him. I tell you, we're, we're about to turn the sign off. We're about to go black, go dark again. Because I still believe that there's someone here today that needs to say yes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So today, if that's you, when I dismiss everybody, I want you to run to the front. I want you to tell my friends down here, say, hey, I want Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you can relate to the, the, the ugliness and you're going through a difficult time in life. And you would just love for someone to pray with you and encourage you a little bit today. That's why we're here as well. It's just better to know that not only God is for us, but also to know that there's somebody else here that's praying for us. And so if we could pray with you and encourage you, listen, the service is not over. It's over, but it's not. If we can still serve and minister to you, we would love and be honored to do so. So, Lord, thank you today for the reminder of some of those things that you're expecting us as believers to live out. You want us to love as you've loved us. You want us to have the joy that only Jesus can give. God, I'm praying that when we leave this house today, that those two things, at least those two things would be defining characteristics of our lives this week as people are watching. Thank you, Lord, for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. You're dismissed.